Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Party time is almost here, but before we get to the big party going on this weekend, we got to bust out another episode of the Decibel Geek Podcast. We're going to do that right now. I'm Aaron Camaro. There's Chris Sinzak. I have no idea what we're doing today. It's, well, it's pretty short, sweet, and to the point. So, like last week where I took it and laid it all out for you, this week you're going to do that for me? Yeah. I figured we'd just do another new noise thing, talk about what the happenings are going on in the rock world, and uh, and just, you know, kind of sit back and just relax and and say what we think of these stories, because there's some bizarre shit going on in the rock world this week. I always like doing this. (laughs) Um, I feel like we kind of let the KISS fans down this year for Christmas (laughs) in July. It hasn't been what it's been in the past. Yeah. I think maybe next year we should change it to maybe Kissmas in May or something. Yeah. Get it the hell away from Rock Keep and Pod. Keep it away from Rock and Pod. Keep Pie. it away from Rock and Pod. They, they can't yeah. coexist. That's true. So I was thinking if nothing else, we can come back for like a Kissmas in October special episode or something. I'm sure we'll talk about We Kiss always do Kiss stuff year. anyway, though. I mean, it's, yeah. You get a lot of kiss stuff throughout the years. It is so we'll definitely make it yeah. up to you. We promise. Yeah, we apologize, guys. It's uh, things have been a little hectic. <laughs> to put t- it to put it mildly, <laughs> you mentioned Rocket Pods this weekend. How yeah. excited are you? I'm excited to get it over with. <laughs> That's always the difference between you yeah. and everybody else. And I'm yeah. on the everybody else team because yeah. I'm excited about Rock and Pod and yeah. I don't want it to end. I want it oh. to be every weekend. Oh, no, you'll kill me. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm excited, hopefully, for it to go well and, and draw lots of people and, and run smoothly. That's the biggest thing. It's just... I'm in total crunch time mode, and there's 300 different things, questions I have to answer. Yeah. They just anytime you think you've got stuff socked away, something, and you'll get a curveball thrown your way. It's just, it's just the nature of the beast. Well, you and know it's what a I'm, beast. you know what I'm excited about? What's that? I'm excited about going and seeing Lipstick Generation on Friday mm-hmm. night. I'm excited about going and seeing Eight Ball. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited about the Rock and Roll Residency. You know our friends here at the Decibel Geek Podcast, man. You guys, you know that we've got a long history with these guys, and they went on to become the Gene Simmons Band and the Ace Frehley Band yeah. and all that. You know, and we're so excited to have them back. I mean, it wouldn't be a party without those guys. Yeah, they've wanted to be there the past two years, but they've been on the road yeah, both times. Totally. So, uh, We've tried to work it out over and over again, yeah. and it never seems to work out. But the stars, the talisman, 
if you will, yeah. have a line. Well, it, it's funny because if you look at Ace Fraley's tour dates, this is the only weekend uh, that he doesn't have a show. Thanks, Ace. We yeah. really, really appreciate that. We know you did that for us. I, I did tell Philip, I'm like, if you know, your boss has the weekend off. If, yeah. if he'd like to come by, he's more than welcome. Just pop on in. Yeah, you don't on. even got to tell nobody you're coming. Just come hang out for a little bit, Ace. That come would be on. amazing. Be awesome. It? Yeah. <laughs> That's the crazy thing about Rock and Pod, though, is just like, you know, the years past, you never know who's going to show up i heard from somebody last night that is going to show up that uh i can spill the beans on here why not um tom zutat who was oh, motley wow. crew's first manager guns yeah. and roses his first manager he uh messaged me last night he's like my plans fell through so it looks like i'm gonna be able to come so Sweet. so he'll be in attendance that's cool man yep. that guy's rock and roll history truly for sure. yeah Nice. And I'm also looking forward to crashing in that sweet hotel room. Man, that's a nice hotel yeah. you're having it at this year. And then getting up the next day and coming down and hanging out with all my friends at Rockin' Pod. Mm-hmm. All the awesome people that are going to be there. Michael Sweet, David Ellison, Brian Forsythe, Jason Beeler, Erie Vaughn, mm-hmm. Jack Gibson. You know, just Tony Harnell. Yeah. Tony Harnell. I mean, the guys from Roxy Blue, Tora Tora. You see, I found that uh, Wild America mm-hmm. CD. Yeah. I got mine on autographed i got the extra one i'm going to give it to you i want you to put it in a sinzak prize pack okay we'll do so it that way somebody can win that and then take it right over to anthony and get it autographed because yeah. he's going to be there yeah i'm excited to have anthony back too yeah it's uh there's a ton scheduled and ton going on and if you're uh if you're anywhere in the area and you could make it in come on it it's gonna be fun it's gonna be awesome you know what we always say it's the rock and roll party of the summer and we want you to come down and hang out with us there's so much cool stuff going on i mean just go to rockandpod.com yep. if we took this whole episode just to explain to you how excited we are for this weekend and all the things we're going to get to see and do it would take the whole episode yep. so i mean we've been pushing this for a while and this is it this is the last, last push one. right here yep. we want you to come party with us in the world Worst way. We have so much fun and we know you're going to have a good time too. Mm-hmm. So join us in Nashville this weekend, Friday night and Saturday, all day long, mm-hmm. Rock and Pod. Friday night, Rock and Roll Party. It's all happening at the same place, the Marriott Hotel by the airport in Nashville. Yep. You don't even have to go nowhere. You just grab a room, party all weekend. Mm-hmm. We're going to have so much fun. And like I said before, it's kind of like a cruise on dry land. Yeah, and I'm Rockin' Pot is the cruise for people that don't know how to swim. Pretty much, yeah. I love it. I'm a, and I'm also hosting an event the next weekend. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm taking visitors at the Nut House because that's where I'll <laughs> oh, be. Is it your birthday or something? <laughs> you will not have to pay three hundred dollars to come visit me at the Nut House. Just just come and pet me on the head and say it's going to be okay. Oh man. <laughs> well, speaking of that, we had a lot of fun last week. Yes. We did our kiss last final Christmas in July. Good episode. idea on your part, because I never would have thought to do that. I had the bongos, man. I was ready to roll. <laughs> ready to read some poetry. And I think everybody dug it. You know, yeah. it seems like we had fun with it. You know, we're KISS fans, but we don't take ourselves so seriously that, you know, we can't see the good and the bad yeah. in the world's greatest band. We have to definitely do a part two because, you know, everyone. Oh, I think we can will... do part two, part three at yeah. least. Yeah. You know, I we... think we can break it down because it takes a little while to yeah. get through these albums like that when you're going song by song, reading yeah. lyrics. We got to go through uh, the, the 80s gene period for sure. I can't wait. I'm so excited <laughs> about that. And if you're a Decibel Geek VIP and you're getting the Torpedo Dudes episode, we actually went ahead and did a test run of that mm-hmm. where we did exactly what we did last week, mm-hmm. but only with the Animalized <laughs> <Yeah>. album. So, <laughs> some good conversation on that 
That's going to be coming up next for the Torpedo Dudes. So before we get into the new noise today, I know we got to take care of business. We talked about Rock and Pod. Like I said, we want you guys to come party with us so bad, so bad. And we want you to hang out with all our awesome friends. You're invited. Come join us. But the business at hand to get us into this episode is our reviews. We got Apple Podcast, we've got Podchaser, we've got Facebook recommendations, and let's take a look and see what we got today. Let's see, let's see. Oh, we got two of them. Nice. Well, more than that, but let's just look at these two right now. First one comes to us from Apple Podcasts. It's five stars, just the way we like it. It comes to us from Suzanne Petrucci, love child, from right here in the good old USA. goes like this. These guys seem like they really enjoy what they do. And the show never disappoints. Wow. That's the truth right there. You know, half truth anyway. You know, we really do enjoy doing this. I don't know that we know what we're doing, but we try. Right, yeah. And if if it disappoints, well, just stick around. We'll lower the bar. (laughs) They can't all be winners. No. And we also got a Facebook recommendation. Comes to us from Tom Jackson. He recommends the Decibel Geek podcast. And he says this. These two guys have a real love for the music they cover. They are super conversational and have great chemistry. Five stars. Thank you so much, Tom. Perfect. Love it. Tom, Suzanne, thank you. Those are are awesome awesome reviews. And you guys know what you're talking about. Got to agree with that. We'd be silly not to. So our other favorite people, the Geeks of the Week, these are the people that shared on Facebook and retweeted on Twitter. Last week's Kiss Lyrics Best and Worst. These are the Kiss fans that are feeling a little shortchanged this week. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let me read your name, and hopefully that makes you feel a little better. Geeks of the Week this week are Kristen Schimbeck, Otto Erling Gregerson, Matt Ashcraft, Kiss Army Omaha, Jay Shablewski, Jay Nabair, Joseph Capone, Nate Atchison, Thomas Mukaji, Greg Troyan, Steve Wright, Ken West, Alan Tate, Eric Sartana Horner, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Matt Porter, Bach Oak, Overs and Fire Podcast, CGCM Podcast, Trevor McDougall, Mike Parnell, Adam Cox, Chris Cunningham, Wayne Cross, Sean Cullen, Mikhail Burrell, Steve Wright, J.J. Mack, Roy Randolph, Rob in the Hood, Booker Official, Sonny Pooney, Jody Havnot, Tom Gigliotti, and Shout It Out Loudcast, who, with the show of which I appeared on recently, uh-huh. and uh, we did Kiss Jeopardy. And, oh, nice. uh, and Sonny was the Alex Trebek, and I went against the two hosts of the show. How'd you do? I'm a ninja when it comes to Kiss Trivia. Yeah, awesome. I slaughtered those guys. Nice. They regretted having me. <laughs> <laughs> so I do appreciate the invite. But, uh, yeah, I, I have way too much worthless knowledge of Kiss. That's but, um, awesome. I, I got to listen to that. You should. It, like, they, they were like, what the fuck? How do you know that? <laughs> I don't have to tell you. You you hear me spout all this shit oh, out all the time. You're like, how do you yeah. know that? Everybody knows. Uh, and then rounding it out, uh, Eladio, Ernesto Aguiar, and as always, the, the Mooger Fooger. Some of these people on this list we're going to be hanging out and partying with we this hope. weekend. I'm so excited. Kristen Schimbeck's going to be there. Jeez, uh, who else? Baco, Matt Baco, Porter. yeah, Matt Porter. The Jay Shabluski's coming. There. That's awesome. Yeah. Geeks of the Week, taking over Music City for the weekend. Yeah. I love it, because this is always the weekend where rock and roll reigns supreme over what a lot of people see as Country Music USA. Yeah, we're breaking that stereotype. Yeah, we are. Big time. All right, so we ready to get into new noise? Yeah, man. Lay it on me. Okay. I thought we would start on a kind of a happy, uplifting story. Okay. Okay. The title of this is Former Lost Prophet Singer Ian Watkins hid phone inside his anus in prison. Wow. Yeah. So 
Have you heard of Lost Prophets? Uh, Rings a Bell, maybe. Maybe I'm thinking of something else that sounds like it. I'm not 100% sure. I think it's they're more famous for this guy's this guy being a scumbag. Yeah. Um, What's he in prison for? Let's see. Rocking too hard? In 2013, Watkins was convicted of 13 child sex offenses. Ah, damn. These crimes only came to light following a drug investigation. Six people came forward to make allegations before he was finally arrested and jailed for 35 years. He must serve at least 29 years in prison. That's crazy. But uh, the story now is he allegedly hit a mobile phone inside his anus while serving time at a British maximum security prison. He's on he's a singer's on trial at Leeds Crown Court for possessing a mobile phone in his cell between March 4th and March 10th. He had it up his ass for six days. I don't. I've not seen a cell phone small enough to make that a possibility. I think. I mean, that's, well, I don't think it was a smartphone. <laughs> I would hope not. Uh, was well, told mean, what kind of phone? Even a flip phone. Even a flip. That phone, still would man. hurt a lot. Uh, he was using it to contact a woman he had previously had a relationship with. After an, an initial strip search, wow, an initial strip search recovered nothing. However, Watkins then asked a prison officer if he would be allowed to see his mother, who was due to visit him the same day if he gave up the phone. He then reached into his underwear and produced a small three-inch long white GT Star model mobile phone, branded the smallest phone in the world. Wow. Wow. That's awful. What an Man. asshole. Yeah, no kidding. Dumbass. <laughs> Quite literally. Sure. But yeah, he's a scumbag. But uh, the headline kind of grabbed me, so I was like, oh, I have to read this one. That's wild, man. Yeah. Asshole. He deserves it, I guess. Yeah. And today, um, this was announced just today as we're recording this, uh, Sunset Strip legend Lizzie Gray passed away. I just saw that about a half an hour ago. Yeah. And um, more recently, he was the longtime frontman of a band called uh, Spiders and Snakes. Yeah. Kind of a Hollywood band, but uh, most well known uh, for his time with London. He was, I think, a founding member of the band London. Yeah. And London, for a long time, was basically considered the minor league affiliate of big rock stars. Totally. They were the farm league band, you know, where they would find somebody and bring them into the band, and then somebody who was already signed looking to replace a member that had left would cherry pick from this band all the time. Yeah, and Nikki Six probably being the most prominent member of London that went on to form Motley Crue. Um, But, uh, yeah, he had um, Louis Body Disease. I never heard of that. It's uh, it's actually the same thing that Robin Williams was afflicted with before he killed himself. Dang. And uh, let's see. Yeah, rare brain disorder known as Lewy body disease. He'd been un- undergoing treatment for years. But, uh, yeah, it's it's sad. But, I mean, I, I, anyone who remembers Decline of Western Civilization yeah. Part 2 remembers the, the London segment of that movie. And the most funny part is is Lizzie and uh, Nader de Priest doing this interview with Penelope Spheris and and Nader DePriest is he's he's a nice guy and he was good but he he kind of comes off as the prototypical basically poser yeah you know he's got the big flowing hair and he's just trying to come off very smooth and cool and everything 
Lizzie Gray is next to him, just completely hammered and sloshed and just laughing his ass off. It's almost like an Ace Fraley type I interview. Say like when Ace Fraley and Paul Stanley do an interview that's, together uh, in 1978. Yeah, that's kind of the chemistry. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and uh, and he, the, the famous line, we are not role models for your life. That is awesome. I'll never forget that. That yeah. got burnt into my psyche yeah. as a kid watching that shit over yep. and over and over again. And how cool that guy was. Yeah. He seemed like he was a great guy to hang out with. And I've watched on Facebook all day a lot of the L.A. guys, you know, paying tribute to him today. And yeah. yeah, he was sick for a very long. I think I remember hearing up to like five years ago he was not doing well. So it's amazing he hung on as long as he had. But uh, definitely a legend when it comes to the, the Hollywood Sunset Strip era. You know, he, he was a big part of that whole scene. For sure. For a long time. But yeah. All the way through it. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody I wish I could have interviewed. I did get, I interviewed uh, Brian and Nader a few years back, but uh, never got to interview Lizzie. He would have been great to talk to. Yeah, he would have. That's always the bummer about that when you find out somebody passes away and, you know, you, you think about, man, that's music that is never going to come out again. And for us, we always, I know I do, you know, I always think, damn, that's somebody I would have loved to have talked to. Yeah. You know, and that's always a double bummer for us, you know, because, I mean, we'd love to be able to talk to everybody and get their rock and roll stories, mm-hmm. but fortunately, we're just a little podcast, and yeah. we, we're trying. We do what we can. Yeah. We need to quit our jobs. Oh, yeah. That, we need to explain that, to our wives that we need to do this full-time, and they need to support us, and work two jobs okay. so that we can podcast every day so that we can interview everybody before they die. You didn't tell me you were doing drugs before I got here. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only explanation for that, David. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, if you if you go up to your okay. wife, if you go up to your wife and say that, I hope you videotape it because I want to see her reaction to that one. <laughs> I'll have to videotape because I'll have to show it to the judge, and explain how I got all these broken bones and lacerations. <laughs> Someday. We'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah. Damn it. We'll look for an apartment together because we're both going to get divorced. <laughs> Welcome to the Decibel Geek apartment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that sounds pathetic. Uh, All right. Uh, the next story, uh, Philip Anselmo says plea for him to perform Pantera songs became irresistible after Vinnie Paul's death. He says um, we were about a month out from touring when uh, Vinnie passed away and that was horrific and so unexpected. It was something that stopped me dead in my tracks. I was in my kitchen and I just dropped to the floor and I just had to breathe for a little while. That's when the big plea for us to do more Pantera songs became irresistible. The tribute had to be then. It had to be right. And I never thought it would be the Illegals. That's his current band. Clearly, the mission for us was to be a sweaty hole-in-the-wall death metal band. I've got to say huge props to them for learning the Pantera material. They didn't even flinch, man, and just went for it. The vibe from most of the shows has been so fucking great. And what really tickles me is seeing the young bloods out in the audience freaking out on the Pantera stuff. And you know it's their parents who got them into Pantera. So, uh, and then on the topic of whether the tribute will continue into the future or something he's doing, just doing right now, he says, I'd like it to be just for now. For me, Pantera was Pantera and there's no substitute. So playing those songs, I don't mind doing it for a one-off thing here and there with a group of guys. We used to do it in Metal Masters, Kerry King and the Anthrax guys. But I wasn't going to learn a set of Pantera with another band. I didn't feel entitled to do that. It's not like I feel entitled now. I feel now it's necessary. I get it. You know, I get it. He was probably holding off thinking, you know, if I go out with my solo band and do all these Pantera songs, 
then it's not really special. I'm just a cover band with one guy. Right. And probably didn't want to do that. And always maybe deep down hoped that somehow, some way, he would be able to reconnect with Vinny and Rex and mm-hmm. figure out some way to do that. I mean, there's been talk for years, years. about those three getting back together with another guitarist. And I think Zach Wilde yeah. always the one that gets thrown in there the most. That that was something that was a possibility that could happen. I mean, I know that was... <laughs> Big talk a few years yeah. before Vinny died. I think I have to think it was seriously considered. I would have to think. so, I mean, too. I, it's just, but a lot. It just Vinny went to his grave pretty much hating Phil. They never patched anything up, and even though everybody, based, even Rita, who was Dime's girlfriend, um, had patched things up with Phil. Yeah, but Vinny just was not going to let it go, and uh, he never did until the end. And I mean, it's it's unfortunate. Um, that's one of the things where I bet if he knew, you know, that <coughs> if he knew when his expiration date was, it would have probably inspired him to maybe bury that hatchet a little quicker. Yeah, well, I mean, even without a Pantera reunion, even if even if they never played together again, I wish just on a human level that they were able to work that out. Cause, right. cause those guys, I mean, that band fucking changed the world, man. They, oh, they, totally. that was a revolutionary band. And it's really fucking sad to think that both Abbott brothers are gone. You know, it's mm-hmm. one of those things where you don't always think about it. And then when you think about it, it's like, damn, that's fucked up. You yeah, know, it cause it feels like it was just yesterday that they were playing together, but I don't know, man. I, I mean, I think it's cool that Phil's doing this and I don't think he's, doing it from a selfish standpoint i think he genuinely wants to right. pay tribute to those guys because if he was selfish about it he'd have been doing it all along sure you know he could have made a ton of money off of definitely. it definitely but those songs are special and like he says pantera is pantera and yeah. everything else is everything else but if you look at it now really truly he's the only one that can really you know aside from rex yeah I mean, even Rex could start a band and have, you know, and play Pantera songs, but it's not going to be the same as, you know, mm-hmm. without Phil singing it. Yeah. So at this point, you know, I guess he, he's got his own thing going on. You would hate to say, well, why not bring in Rex? You know, why not do something with him? Why not find somebody that's, yeah. you know, go get Nick Bocott, uh. you know, to do the Dimebag Daryl part. So, you know, nothing against his band that he's got currently, and I hate to mess things up, but, right. you know, why not do something like that? But now it's—I mean, it's, now it's even harder to consider it with both Abbott brothers out of the True. picture. You know, yeah. it's just kind of like because who would you have sit in for Vinny? I don't know. I don't. Know. I don't know. I just, yeah. I mean, with three quarters of it with Zach because Zach was so close to Dime and, right. and can play all those parts. Yeah. That would have made sense as a tribute to Dime, but now I don't think it's possible. Well, and if Phil's the only way we're ever going to be able to catch these songs in a live experience ever again, then. God bless you, man. Yeah. Rock it out because those songs are timeless. They're special. Every single Pantera song is special to somebody in some mm-hmm. special way. And so, you know, get out there and play those songs. Play them with all your heart, you know, and have Vinny and Dime in your heart while you're singing it, you know. So get out there and, yeah, do it, man. Great. Yeah. I've gotten an addiction to watching these reaction videos on YouTube. Yeah. It's people that it's like fish out of water stuff where. It'll be like you know, black guys that are hip hop fans watching metal videos, or you know, or just people that are in general aren't metal fans, kind of diving in and learning about it. And probably one of the most popular ones, and there's tons of people doing it, is uh, the Pantera performance from Moscow in '91 of Domination. Yeah, yeah. Just because it's such an such an iconic live performance, and uh, the two things that always stand out 
to people, well, three things. One, the crowd, because the crowd and the shots of that is just fucking Insane. bananas. Yeah. And uh, bananas. I know you're listening, Devin and uh, Baco. But uh, also uh, Daryl's lead playing on it, on the solo. You know, I've seen Jaws literally drop watching uh-huh. that. And then after the solo, when it goes into the slow breakdown. Yes. I think that's the greatest breakdown in metal history. I don't, you can't top it. And I get can't chills every time that breakdown comes in and then see all everyone in the crowd just pumping their fists. It's, I'll never get tired of watching people react to that performance just because it always, it always blows people away. I never see anybody go, Oh, that was okay. Yeah. They're always like, wow, that was amazing. Well, at least it'll live on. Yeah. I fucking love Pantera. I got an idea. Let's do like the reverse of that. You're a metalhead. Let's sit down and have you do reactionary videos to really, really bad music, like pop stuff. That sounds awful. (laughs) Awfully funny. It's not going to be me getting into it, I'll tell you that. You never know. Uh, Some of these people that watch these videos aren't metalheads, and then they love it. Man, I was wrong about Christina Aguilera. (laughs) (laughs) Nicki Minaj is great. I gotta rethink this whole Shakira yeah. thing. I thought she just had a big butt, but she's actually talented. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, let's go to the next story. Clutch vocalist says rock is pretty piss poor in regard to keeping up with changes in the music industry. Hmm. Let's see. It says prior to Clutch's performance at the recent Rock USA Festival in Oshkosh, you know that area well, Wisconsin. Vocalist Neil Fallon spoke with Sean Six of the Boston radio station WAAF. Says on why the band decided to record a series of cover songs. There's a number of reasons. Book of Bad Decisions is not even a year old yet, and we're not ready to do a full length new album. It's a great album. That's the first reason. The second reason is the way people listen to music is changing drastically now, whether we like it or not. I'm 47. I know a lot of my friends are the same age, and they're kind of getting to a little bit of the get off my lawn point in their lives. We have to be honest that a lot of people these days have no problem enjoying music via their computers or their phones or what have you. And rock and roll, as far as being in step with those changes, is pretty piss poor in comparison to a lot of other genres, to be frank. Rock and roll is traditionally an album format, and it's set in its ways, and I understand that. I love record links, but people have much shorter attention spans. This is also the reason we're doing covers. I get what he's saying. It's kind of weird because I was thinking about this like... A great example would be the Beatles. Like, the Beatles have their albums they came out with, even mm-hmm. the Stones, a lot of these older bands. But there's a lot of non-album singles oh, yeah. that come with those bands. Like, I was thinking, oh, what song is this album on? Well, it's not on an album. It was just a single. Yeah, because 45s were a big thing back then. Right. And yeah. now it's getting back to where, like, an MP3 is almost like a 45. Yeah. So when these bands say that rock music is just an album format, well, it has been for a long time. Mm-hmm. But it almost seems like it's going back to that. Like, why can't a band nowadays just... If you're not, I mean, I hate to even say this because I love CDs and I still buy the full albums, right. but why not just release singles? You know, like, yeah. for example, Donnie V, mm-hmm. you know, Donnie V doesn't have a big, massive recording contract, you know, he's just recording songs because he's Donnie V and he likes to write and sing, you know, mm-hmm. so he's doing right now this thing called the, oh man, I can't, I hope I don't mess it up, the St. Joe's Dope Whores. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. 
But all he's doing is doing cover songs and releasing them on YouTube because mm-hmm. it's fun for him. Yeah, and he's done similar stuff for a while. He just, right, he'll yeah. just do one song and put it out there. Yeah, like yeah. that uh, Troublemaker song. Yeah. That was awesome. You know, and I want a whole like, album of that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> see, that's where the conflict comes in with me. It's like, you know, I love to see these bands just, hey, you know what? We I just dropped a new song and I just uploaded it into Apple Music mm-hmm. or wherever, you know? Yeah. And go, oh, cool, you know, and go there and be like, 99 cents, bam, you know, there you go. Yep. 99 cents is a lot easier to spend than, you Absolutely. know, a whole album's worth. But then Skid Row was doing that thing for a while where instead of coming out with a full album, they just come out with EPs. Yeah. You know, and then at the end, it becomes part one, part two, part three. Yeah, I like four, that idea, know? too. I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not a purist about it having to be an album. I mean, if, yeah, as, as long as you're getting new music out, that's all, that's the, the important part. Right. But I don't, at the end of the day, I don't know what the ultimate answer is, you know, what can turn things around. You know, I went to, there's a place in Nashville called CD Warehouse. Mm-hmm. It's the only place that you can still go buy a CD. I didn't know there were any CD warehouses uh, left. There's one out in Rivergate. Really? And it's the only place in town where you can go and buy a CD on release day. Mm. Now, the problem is, is you only orders one or two of each. So you got to get there. once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. You know, because he's not going to order 10 of them. All right. In hopes that people will come in. So it's kind of, it's tricky, you know, where, yeah. where does it lie? You know, how could we bring music stores back? How could we get, you know, people excited about music again? I mean, we fall into that get off my lawn category. Oh, yeah. You know, we're still excited about the music. When Clutch comes out, I buy the CD. It's up there on the yeah. CD rack right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we reviewed it last year. and was one of the top albums of the year. Great That's record. awesome. You know, but how many other people bought it? I don't know. On CD, probably even less, oh, you know. Yeah. But it sucks. I'd love to be able to bring back the culture of like when we were kids and you'd get excited about a new band coming out with a new album. And you can't really get that anymore in the Internet age where you say, oh, so-and-so is coming out with an album in three months. Hmm. And you sit on that and you wait for it and you're excited about it. Young people don't do that that way Mm-mm. no more. You know, so me, disposable. I'm waiting on the release date for the Gilby Clark CD that's supposed to be coming out this. So you're the one. I'm the one. You know, and I'm <laughs> I'm going to buy it on CD when it comes out. But I'm I the didn't one, even know he was know. doing a new record. Yeah, and I'm excited about it, but I can't imagine anybody that I guess you'd consider a millennial saying, "Oh man, I can't wait for fill in the blanks mm-hmm. album to come out in three months." Well, Gilby might have a kid. I mean, not, not him personally. <laughs> oh, I'm talking okay. about like anybody, <laughs> no, anything, playing. any album, any no, I, the And yeah, just, you know, I know it's it's everything's so convenient now, but almost to its detriment because I just wish I could give my kids the experience of having the excited feeling of going into a record store yeah. to buy new music because now it's just... Any, I mean, let's say anytime we go to records, we're buying old stuff. That's right. that's pretty True. much all yeah. there is to any day. That's all that's left. But I re- if something new's coming out, you got to basically go online and order it and have yeah. it sent to your house because there's no other place to go. But yeah, I remember going to see to CD warehouse back in the day, and you know they would have the big board with like you know top twenty releases this week, and I mean yeah. going through, and going, oh wow, there's this and what. Yeah. It's just I do miss that. I mean, you know I what was he's got up there now. Huh. Albums coming out in 2019, and it's just the board, and it's not next week. It's not next. Yeah, month. it used to be by. They would change the by year. the week back then. 
because every every Tuesday would be a big deal. Excited about music coming out, and they wanted to know when their favorite bands were coming out with a new album. It was something you get excited about, something you look forward to. Yeah, I'm getting depressed. It is a bummer. (laughs) You know what can we do? To teach the kids to love music, you know? Come to the Rock and Pod Expo. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. Besides that, anybody can come to that and have yeah. new appreciation for sure. I'm but. so glad I'm in my last week of salesman mode. <laughs> you have no idea. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I wish there was something we could do to, to change that. And it's... I mean, we talk about, you know, podcasting's the future and radio's dead and radio's on its way out. But who's going to play the mindless crap? That is an endless shuffle of one-hit wonders that nobody cares about. Who's going to have the soundtrack to your background, you know? That's why radio's never going away. It never will. I just realized that now. It'll always be there. Because it'll always be there producing one-hit wonders. Well, the saddest thing is, is, and, you know, I just talked to Lonnie last night. He hooked me up with um, an extra pair of Alice Cooper tickets. And uh, did you listen to Metalworks last Saturday? I did not get to catch it. He uh, he brought up Decibel Geek and he was like, you know, and he's like, you know, those, those guys kind of make me angry at times with the whole radio sucks thing. You know, I every time I hear them start talking about that stuff, I'm like, I'm right here, guys. And I I told him, I was like, yeah, I heard your rant, man. I hope you realize it's not pointed directly at right. you. And there's he's, been many yeah. many times where he said radio sucks. Well, except for Lonnie, I know. And he's like, I get it. He's like, it just bothers me though because I'm still in the business and everything. Right. And he's like, but he's like, and he brought up the right point. He's like. Radio stations do studies all the time about what the masses want to hear. And I hate to say it, we're the minority. The masses want to hear that same shit over and over again. We've had had this conversation with Lonnie. I've had this conversation myself with radio consultants. Yeah, that's what people want. And it is. They want familiarity, Uh, which means you get to hear Freebird for the three millionth time. Because everybody loves it. And you get a Pearl Jam radio single every hour on the buzz here in Nashville. My wife came up with that joke. Every time we hear Pearl Jam, it's like, oh, it's been an hour. Yeah. And then last weekend, we heard two Pearl Jam songs within an hour. Like I was like, the hell, now they're doing it every 30 minutes. It's just, I, it, it, you know, but that's what people want. They want We Will Rock You. They want but even at that, all it's the, the, the hits. same Pearl Jam songs. It's not like yeah. all of a sudden you're no. hearing, oh, this is Pearl Jam song? Oh, I haven't heard this one It's in about forever. six or seven different singles yeah. from the early to mid-90s. And their whole career of albums they've come out with. And yeah. I'm not the biggest Pearl Jam fan, I mean but either. I'm like mm, probably a good 25% on yeah. Pearl Jam. And the 25% I like, I love. Yeah, you me know, too. Love it. But they don't play none of the songs but I like. It just it, it's just ridiculous. That, I mean, I guess just not everybody loves music the same way we do, you know. But it's, it didn't used to be that way. Yeah, I know. It didn't I, used to be that way. Like my wife was talking about, oh, this band is coming to town. I said, oh, I'd love to go see them. She's like, let me see how much tickets are. Oh man, that's expensive. Right. I say that's just the way it is. Now. Yeah, well, that's the only like, way they make money. How, how can these bands get away with charging that much? Well, you're looking at it wrong. These bands have to charge that much, otherwise they don't get to be in a well, band anymore. We're gonna get to a story at the end of this that will uh, tie in nicely with what you just well, said. Well, I know some bands <laughs> don't really need the money as much as others, uh, but the band I was talking about yeah. was like a lower level. Oh, band, sure, you know? yeah. But they need the money. You know, they uh, have to charge that much for tickets because nobody's buying the CDs. Remember back in the day when tickets were cheap? That's because they were making their money yeah, off that's the well, albums. Yeah, they were selling tons. The, al- the, the tours were a commercial for the album. Right. Now the album is a commercial for the tour. Yeah, I mean, and not much of one. No. You know, it's it's a sad state. It really is, you know. Dude's right. 
Yeah, right. yeah. And I told him, I was like, Lonnie, we can't change the name of the show to Radio Sucks except for Metalworks on 105.9 The Rock radio show. But you had to tell him, man, if you listen to our show once in a while, you'd know that almost every single time we do that, we always go, ah, except for Lonnie. That. The Metalworks, 105.9, every uh, Saturday night. You don't even have to live in Nashville. You can just go to 1059therock.com and, and listen to it. And it's, and it's worth cool. your time. It really time. is because Lonnie is one of the last cool rock DJs out there. You know, yep. He's one of the last men standing. He's When he talks about you know it hurts him when we say that stuff, it's because deep down in his heart, he still believes in radio. You mm-hmm. know, And I wish the rest of us could that way too. But he believes in it because they give him two hours on a Saturday night to play rock music and he's got a selection of fans that tune in every saturday night to listen to it whether they're here in nashville or they're around the world because it's a worthwhile two hours it takes you back in time you yeah. know because it plays the kind of music but it'll also play newer bands right that New have that stuff, sound. classic stuff everything you know he's just he does what we do if we were on yep. radio you know he plays the kind of stuff we would play yeah you know, so Lonnie's awesome. He really, truly is one of the last men standing, and I wish that he could turn it around. I wish what he was doing would become a thing where, you know, Joe Blow said, I just happen to be tuned in on Saturday night, and I love it. I want to hear this kind of stuff all the time. Yeah. You know, and people hear it and bombard the radio stations and say, no, you know, this is what we want. We want it a variety, you know, but... <laughs> We are a minority. We're a really damn cool minority. We're a vocal minority. But we're still what we are. You know, we're not the mindless masses. Mm-hmm. And I take that as a compliment. Sure. And you should too. Yeah. And get off my lawn. And get off our freaking lawns. All right. So let's go to the next story. We got sidetracked big time there. I mean, it's a big subject, you know. Neil Fallon brings it up, and like I said, he's absolutely right, you know. And it's, but I don't think it's just rock, you know. He says rock oh, is piss poor in regards to keeping up with changes in the music industry. I just think music is unappreciated nowadays. All right, well, what else you got? This is an interesting one. Um, you know, there's always been the talk about Skid Row possibly reuniting and Sebastian Bach offering them to come on stage with him and all that stuff. Somebody uh, did an interview with Snake Sabo, and uh, headline, Skid Row guitarist says, Reunion talks with Sebastian Bach were a miserable experience before they even spoke on the phone. Oh, wow. So they did speak on the phone, so it did get that far. Well, let's read. Ex-Skid Row singer Sebastian Bach says fans shouldn't hold their breath for a union of the classic lineup. Asked in an interview with Rolling Stone what it would take for the band to be reunited, Bach said... It would take those guys to realize that I have a lifetime manager. His name is Rick Sales. I've been with him since 2006. They don't want to deal with a guy like that. They want to give some singer who doesn't have a manager seven to $800 a week. I've got a team that's worked with me and don't allow me to get fucked around. I didn't have that team when I was 19 years old. In response to box statements about the earnings of Skid Row singer, guitarist Dave Snake Sabo told Rolling Stone in an email, I guess fact-checking isn't his, in his skill set. The five of us go on that stage as a band, and we all get paid equally. We're in this together. There's no egos. Sebastian went on to say that Skid Row was close to reuniting maybe two years ago or a year ago or something like that, but wow. then it didn't happen. The fact that it didn't happen obviously makes me somewhat bitter because life is only getting shorter, as the song says. I wouldn't say came close, basis Rachel, Rachel Poland told Rolling Stone in an email response to Box Account. We entertained the idea. Snake and I went as far as talking with agents and promoters about money, but we quickly learned after a few text conversations why we fired him in the first place. Nothing is worth your happiness and peace of mind. 
Wow. Sabo added, it was already a miserable experience and we didn't even get on the phone. Wow. Dang. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, those they're never going to get back together again. People I need to stop not. stop expecting Just accept it. it. Just accept the facts that Skid Row is never going to be what they once were. No. And that's a damn shame. Yeah. A damn shame. I mean, it's... I kind of wonder. It's like, I know Bach is hard to deal with, but it's just like, there's got to be something deeper to this story. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck went down for it to be that bad? Or if it was just so bad for so long, you know? And like you say, it's a lot easier to eat it when things are going great, when you're making millions of dollars, when you're playing sold out arenas all over the world, you know, you you can deal with it a little bit better. Yeah. But by the time subhuman race rolled around, then it was like, okay, okay, we're not playing the huge shows that we were. We're not selling the albums that we were. We don't have any hit singles off this album. Now it's not as fun. Right. And now we're definitely not going to deal with no extra bullshit. You know, we don't have to now, you know, and that sucks. Yeah, they, I mean, I, it's, I guess Snake and Rachel, they pretty much retain most of the songwriting publishing. So, right. so they're going to, they're making all the money as it is. And I hate to say this, but as far as the window of when it would have worked to do this reunion, as far as money making potential, I think it's gone. I don't yeah. think the hype would be there like it would, would have been a few years back. No. Uh-uh. And the ideal situation to me, would have been when Guns N' Roses reunited to have Skid Row yep, as the opening act exactly. on the, the stadium tour. How great would that have been? It would have benefited both bands. Absolutely it would have. Yeah. Because people were excited to see both those bands reunite. Those were the two bands yeah. from that hard rock yeah. era that people want to see reunite more than anybody else. You yeah. know, And Guns N' Roses did it for the most part. You know, yeah. Got just about everybody, all the major key players back in. Mm-hmm. I didn't go see Guns N' Roses when they came through because it was so freaking expensive. Yeah, incredibly expensive. But I think if Skid Row would have been the opening band, done it for I would have ponied up the cash. Yeah, I, I would have figured out a way. I would have you know, sacrificed in other ways. I would have went. Yeah. If it would have been both of them, I would have went for sure. And yeah. You know what? I'm probably not the only one that feels that way, oh, but I know a lot of people that did go see it and loved it. Oh, sure. It was awesome. You know, are glad they went. But how much cooler would it have been? Uh, yeah. If Skid Row reunited with Sebastian Bach and Rob Afuso mm-hmm. would have been opening up that show. I think if they did it now, they might get a few good-paying festival gigs in them for yeah. it. But going forward, I think they'd play theaters and casinos, which is pretty much what Skid Row does now. So, right. so from, Rachel's, be, from their standpoint, I can see why they would say no to it. Right. If we're going to do exactly what we're doing now, we've got a singer. We all split the money. Yeah. You know, it's it's a perfect five-way split. I wonder if it's really a five-way split. I don't know. You wouldn't think so. I mean, I, you know, Rachel's you been on our show. He's a nice guy. But I don't... Business-wise... I don't, don't think, think that singer's making the same money that him and Snake are making. I wouldn't think so. Because you got the three original guys. The three originals got to make a little bit more, right? I mean, that, you would, you not, would think so. Not take take talent and ability and all that aside, I, and it just would look at it. it as a business model. The original guys get a little bit more. Well, you would think so. I mean, that's usually how it works. I mean, even with Kiss, you know, like Ace and Peter weren't going to make equal shares. No, and Tommy and Eric aren't making as no, much as Gene. There's no Paul. way. I mean, I don't. I don't think there's an equal split there going on. I think that sounds good in an interview, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't but know. But Sebastian Bach would come in and demand his oh, he fair would share yeah, because he he's, he's the piece. Right. He's the piece that's missing. Rob Afuso, awesome drummer. Yeah. You know, if they brought him back into the band and kept the singer that they have now, not really that big of a deal. <laughs> there's a headline. I don't, I don't remember what 
website it was, but because I guess Rob Afuso accepted the invitation to play with Sebastian, uh-huh. and he's going to pop up on some shows. And the headline said, Rob Afuso accepts Sebastian Bach's invitation to join him on stage, surprising absolutely no one. No, no. <laughs> Rob's a good drummer, but it's kind of like the, he's not playing in a in a big band right now. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not surprising. And he stayed friends with Sebastian. Does Rob ever get together and hop up on stage with Skid Row? No. When they're out? Not at all ever. So he's as far on the shit know, list too, huh? I don't know if he's on the shit list. I, I think they probably like each other, but I mean, they've got Rob Hammersmith on drums. And right. They probably see no need to let him go. He's a really dependable, solid right. guy. Well, I'm saying is like if they happen to, you know, do a show where Rob Afuso lives, if Rob Afuso showed up, would he get up on stage and play a song or two with him? You know, that'd be, oh, it'd be cool. cool. Yeah, sure. But yeah, I just, I haven't heard that he's ever done it. I don't think he and has. So if they're not inviting him up and they're not celebrating the anniversary yeah. of that first album, but Sebastian Bach is, why wouldn't you? Yeah. But yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, we don't know the inner workings of these bands. No. So it, it may, doesn't make sense to us, but clearly it makes sense to them. It makes sense on both sides. You know, Sebastian Bach saying, I want to be paid equally. Yeah. That makes sense to me. And these guys going, you know what? It's just not worth it to do the same amount as what we're doing yeah. now, but then have to cut ourselves short by bringing you back. And plus, you're a pain in the ass and we don't want to deal with you and all the stuff that they always say. But it's a damn shame at the end of the day that you can't have the reunited Skid Row because, man, I would love it. I would love to hear those guys all get back in the studio together oh, yeah. and write a new album, you know, and come out with some new songs in yeah. the vein of Slave to the Grind. Mm-hmm. Love it. I was listening to some of that United World Rebellion stuff the other day. It's it's pretty solid stuff. It is good. I, yeah. It's better than I kind of anticipated it being. I actually liked it a lot. I've kept up with Skid Row all along when yeah. they had Johnny Salinger as a singer and came out with them a few I albums. I didn't care for that Thick Skin record too much. I like Thick Skin. It's okay. Revolutions. That's a good album. Revolutions too. is good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and I, but yeah, they've got a new one coming out soon yeah. that he did with Michael. So I mean, it'd be interesting to hear. But yeah, I don't think anyone should hold their breath for for those guys to start working together again. Speaking of Skid Row, I read a different article about. I guess it was an interview with Snake, and he was telling a story about how Michael Wagner screamed at Sebastian Bach when they were recording that album. The first one, I believe it was the first one he was talking what about. Was he screaming about? The rule is is back then you did not leave the studio with any tapes Mm. and that was the rule because Uh you didn't want any of it to get out well Sebastian took a cassette tape and was playing it for a few of his friends and Michael Wagner caught word of it Uh and like kicked in his room door and just chewed his ass and took the cassette away from him. Wow. Really, yeah, because... I, I've never heard the story. No, and it's cool because, you know, we know Michael Wagner... <laughs> oh, he's as, so mild-mannered. mild-mannered, <laughs> sweet gentleman. I can't picture him screaming at anybody, but although... In there, that circumstance... It's always the quietest people, though, that you have to worry about right, the most yeah, when they do snap. When they snap... Because then it's scary. Yeah, it's serious. <laughs> you know, mess around with Michael Wagner. And oh, that's what man. he said, too. They all loved and respected Michael Wagner so much yeah. that... They didn't want to do anything that would make them mad, and they wanted to do everything oh, they could him, to fuck? make them happy, except for Spash and Bach wanted to do whatever Spash and Bach wanted to do. Yep. And it kind of just hits me. It's like, Sebastian Bach is kind of the hair metal equivalent of D.D. Ramone. And, I, well, Doc McGee always called Sebastian what he said, um, low IQ, high RPM. Basically an overgrown six-year-old, you know. They... They love the music, but they're just—they're basically just a child in, in, a, in a grown man's body, and they're going to do what they want to do, even if it pisses everyone else around them off. And because right. DD was exactly like that, 
everybody in the band hated his guts, but they, he wrote most of those songs. So yeah. it was kind of hard to kick the guy out, but it just kind of hit me. There's a big similarity in personality with those two. And like, situation too, yeah. where Sebastian Bach was the voice of those songs, yeah. you know, and anybody else singing them. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're, if you're ZP or if you're Johnny Solinger, whoever else is singing for Skid Row, it's just never going to be the same yeah. as Sebastian Bach. And, Oh man, is I see both sides. It's I really a tough do, situation for but everybody. I don't like either one of them. Yeah, I'd love to see them get back together, but so be it. But like Sebastian Bach says, nobody's going to live forever. That's you know? true. And you don't want to go to your grave regretting it. You don't want to be in the situation that Phil Anselmo's in. Snake, look at your good friend, Phil Anselmo. Now he's got to do these songs because he feels like he has to, out of obligation. Not because he's having the opportunity to play again with the people that helped him create those magical songs. What Skid Row created with Sebastian Bach was magical music. And the only way to truly deliver it in its authenticity is with Sebastian Bach. Yep. Is it worth it? I don't know. That's not my call to make. Yeah. You know? Apparently it's not. I guess not. All right, well, so let's go to the next one. Rob Halford says that Glenn Tipton is still fully immersed in the world of Judas Priest, despite the fact that he's battling Parkinson's. And uh, he's, Glenn Tipton announced his retirement from touring in February of last year after revealing his diagnosis. As for an update on Tipton's health, Halford told AO of the 97.1 The Eagle radio station, it's always important to remember that Glenn is still f- fully immersed in Judas Priest. Judas Priest is Glenn and Ian and Scott and Richie and myself, and Andy's doing great work for the band. Glenn is back home in the U.K., and every day he's usually in the studio coming up with this riff and that riff that we put together in the vault so we can prepare for the next batch of songs we're going to make. Nice. So he's still writing stuff. That's, says, what every, um, that's what every band needs. You start a band, and then you take one of the members and be like, now you have to sit home because you're a great songwriter. Now you go yeah. home. We're going to go out on tour. When we get back... We're going to do your songs. He says the um, the songwriting aspect has always been on a triple level because the guitar angle of writing that Glenn created will be different to the way that Richie would approach his ideas. If you listen to some of those early songs that Priest did where it was two people working together or just one person, there would be a different texture to the songs. And then we made the conscious decision to write as a trio as writers. So, yeah, that's the way we make our metal. That's a metal. Metal. <laughs> but, uh of it, of all the bands we love that are working on new records, that's the one I'm most looking forward to. Yeah, because they sure didn't let us down the last time. Firepower was so fucking amazing. Yeah. And uh, I'm and I just I I love that Andy Sneap is involved. I love Richie Faulkner's contributions. Yeah. I think they have the right mix of ingredients to do it again. I, I really do. And the fact that Glenn Tipton's there and he's yeah. like a player coach. Yeah, you know he's. He may not be able to physically tour, you know, the way yeah. like he used to, but he still loves the band. He's still a huge part of the band, and he's still a contributor to the band. I think that's great, and he still is a huge part of Judas Priest's sound. Without Glenn Tipton's input, it might be a different band. You yeah, know? it might not be the same. Yeah, he wrote a lot of stuff on Firepower. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, I'm excited to see what they come up with for sure. Yeah, and excited to know they're working on stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we're going to end uh, this, the show today with uh, probably the biggest rock and metal story that's been out in the last couple of weeks. And uh, it's not a good one. Uh, have you heard about this Metallica ticket situation? I've heard a little bit about it, but I didn't really submerse myself Man. into it because I wanted to catch up with Cobras and Fire because I know they were talking about yeah. it, and I figured you and I would talk about it, and you could smarten me up to what's yeah. all been happening with it. Baco had a, a rant that I'll never be able to cover, but uh, listen to their episode for sure. 
But essentially, um, last week, Billboard obtained a recording of an 11-minute phone call from 2017 between Live Nation's U.S. President of Concerts, Bob Rue, longtime Metallica associate Tony DiCaccio, and independent promoter Von Millette. During the call, which took place prior to Metallica's massively successful worldwide tour, DiCaccio allegedly asked Rue to set aside tickets for resellers. The parties allegedly made a deal with Metallica and Live Nation, each receiving 40% of resale revenue, with the remaining 20% going to those two guys. Dang. The deal reportedly set aside 4,400 tickets per show, totaling 88,000 tickets. Dang, that's a lot of money. Metallica allegedly partnered with Live Nation again in 2018 to sell tickets directly through resale markets. Although representatives for the band told Billboard that the members weren't aware of the deal. Uh Uh-huh. This is despicable totally this is as bad as and i'm not just singling out metallica because this happens a lot um and Ticketmaster alone uh there was a i don't remember who i think maybe the new yorker or some some news organization there's actually a ticket resellers convention that happens in las vegas every year really yeah and these two reporters went to it and basically pretended to be resellers and recorded a bunch of damning audio of resellers talking about how they work together with Ticketmaster. And Ticketmaster was at this convention talking about the deals they make and the prosperous future that they have together. And this is all legal? That's the most fucked up part of this whole thing is technically it is legal. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be legal. It shouldn't be legal. It's it's basically double dipping. Yeah, double dipping, backdoor, dealing bullshit. It's awful and that i mean that's why you try to go buy a ticket for a concert you want to go to and it's sold out in what five seconds right it's because they've already made those deals and pushed them to the reseller market sure so if you're the first person to get through on the phone if you're the first person in line you're still not getting those sweet seats nope like i remember back when we were kids where it was a big deal to you know know the time oh yeah the date and the time i used to camp ready. yeah i would sleep on a sidewalk at the mall to get tickets yeah we used to do the I did same it thing. We four or five times. Would drive to the arena, you know, on mm-hmm. the date that they went and set on sale and get in line. You know, I yeah. remember for the first Kiss show on the reunion that we got to see, it was in Minneapolis. We drove all the way to Minneapolis, me and my good friend Jason, and it was like a couple of weeks before the concert, and we waited in this long ass line to get our Kiss tickets. Mm-hmm. And then we went all the way home, and then a couple of weeks later came back with our tickets and seen the show. But yeah. that's how important it was to us yep. to get as good of seats as possible. Yep. And to us back then, the number one way to do that was to go put your ass in line yep. at the venue yep. the day they went on sale. I'd, um... Nowadays, instead of having those sweet seats that we had, we would have waited in line and got up there and found out, you know, hey, you guys are number one in line. You are in the nosebleeds already. Right. Yeah. You know? It's like, wait, wait a minute. Nobody's in line in front of me. Oh, yes. Yep. There's a lot of people it's in a, line in front of you. It's a complete disadvantage now. And it's and it's meant to screw people. And I, So a band you were going to see that maybe the ticket would have been 20 bucks, you know, all of a sudden the ticket's 50 bucks. You know, or think about if you were buying a $100 ticket. Now your ticket is $300 or more, you know, because everybody's got to make their money off you. And, man, oh, man, it sucks. It sucks so bad to think that a band that you admire would do this to you. Yep. And you say, oh, they didn't know nothing about it. Mm. But, I mean, that's their business. Well, and in this case. They are the business. They're Metallica. Yeah. I mean, you got to kind of know. And in this case, the band came out and said, or somebody representing the band came out and said that the band was unaware of it. But 
the report also followed up by saying that person still hasn't been let go from the organization. I was just going to ask if the so guy got fired. If the guy because, hasn't had his ass handed to him, then what the fuck? Right. You know, if the band had, I'm because sorry. If that's if that's the case, that means that Metallica wasn't going to see a penny of that. You know, Lars Kirk and and, and James weren't going to see a penny of that. That was totally outside of their vision. No, but they were. That it's means, in the report. But that means that they were getting ripped off by this guy. That's their manager. But clearly not. But clearly not because yeah. the money is going. Oh, they to made them. money on so this. So therefore, they know they're they culpable for know. it, and it's bullshit. And. When I saw the original story, I shared it on my Facebook wall, and I was just like, you know, record sales don't happen anymore. All most artists have left is their live gigs. And bullshit like this is going to cause the music industry to basically commit suicide. Right, because fans Because people are going to throw their hands up and stop going to fucking concerts. And then what? Then rock and roll will die. If you don't even have a live aspect that's, you know, thriving at all, you have nothing. But like for bands on a mid level, like we were talking about earlier. But it hurts everyone. It hurts. Yeah. Ev- it hurts all of those bands because people are going to think that they're being fucked no matter what they do. Right. And, and when you look at it, just like I was saying earlier when we were talking about Clutch, about how the wife says, "Oh, this band's coming. I want to go see them. I want to go see them too. How much are the tickets? Oh man, mm-hmm. they're already more expensive." Yeah. And I explained to her why, but then you start looking at it and go. Oh, well, is it that or is it because these bands are teaming up with these other entities and basically everybody's got their – because you already got like the fees that come along with it. You want to hear another fucked up part of this whole thing? When people press Ticketmaster and ticketing companies about, well, why are the prices so much higher now? They will come out with the cop out that, oh, we price them higher to try to price out the resellers. Bullshit. So fans will get the tickets. Well, clearly not because you're working with the right. fucking resellers. So it's like, no, we're going to price them higher, fuck the fans on those that actually get them, and then make right. more money off the resellers. It's just total, yeah. absolute greed. It's I mean, awful. It's terrible. What does our music world come to? Well, we bring Pearl Jam back up. We all should have listened to them in the 90s when they boycotted Ticketmaster. You know? Everyone should have done it and drove those fuckers out of business. Right. But then somebody else would have just came up and took their place. All this monopoly shit. You have like one or two companies that in Live Nation, they dominate yeah, the whole see, market. That's a whole problem right and there. And Live too. Nation has ruined so many venues. They've yeah. shut down all these amphitheaters. It's just like the radio stations. you know, Cumulus, yeah. And it's, yeah. it's these companies. Clear Channel. Basically, there you go. There's yeah. your answer. You want to know what killed rock and roll? It's these big-ass it's big companies business. trying to make money off something when it's in people's hearts. They, they yeah. love it and they want it. It's not something that they should feel like – we have to spend, you know, our life savings on because we're Metallica fans or because right. we're Ozzy fans or because we like Kiss or whoever it is. Mm-hmm. It used to be easy. We loved the band. We supported them. We mm-hmm. bought the music. We bought the T-shirts. We went and seen them in concert. Everything was generally affordable. Yeah. And so you, we hit you on all three fronts. Now, you know, I just don't know. You're just getting robbed left and right. Seems That's like they, it. They've, they've corporatized art. And, yeah, you know that that that's, and that kills that's, art. that'll kill art. That kills once art. Once you do that, you time. ruin it. You know, we love rock and roll. We do everything we can to you know push our agenda to help it do do better. But uh, with stuff like this going on, you got to wonder what what you know what you're up against here. Yeah. You know, it's like you know I it, for the first time. I mean, I've always heard the rock is dead thing and always kind of just brushed it off, like oh it'll it'll cycle back around. It'll be fine. You know, it still thrives in the, this area in this area. I'm genuinely starting to get scared for the first time, you know, and it's uh, like there's a legitimate chance that it could get killed off with stuff like this. This is well, this cutting off your nose to spite your face, trying to make money now. Well, you're going to fucking kill the art form in the process. Well, here's the beauty of that 
this goes back to what we were saying earlier when we were talking about the state of the music industry and about how we are the vocal minority. So minority we are. But rock and roll has always made me feel like an outsider. You know, when I was a kid, it was something that as an outsider I could relate to that made mm-hmm. me feel like I was a part of something. When people liked the same kind of music I liked, that made us a part of something. We weren't everybody. Right. We were us. Right. And so... Yeah, we grew up in a time that was special when rock and metal were kings. Mm. And it's not that way anymore, obviously. Look around, you know. I hate to deny it. You know, we say all day, well, there's plenty of great new rock bands coming out. Well, Mm -hmm. they're not selling Ozzy and Metallica, Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue numbers from those eras. And they're probably never going to again. But the thing about it is, is, yeah, we're a small group, but we're a damn powerful group. And in that... Rock and roll will never die. It truly mm-hmm. will never die. It may get kind of minuscule, and yeah. it might be hidden, and it might be something you really got to seek out to appreciate. But guess what? We're the kind of people that do, the kind of people that listen to this show, the kind of people that go to Rock and Pod Expo, and the people that still buy albums are going to keep rock and roll alive. Will it ever be as big as it once was? And I hope so. Oh, that would be great if it was. But in the meantime... You stick with us, the Decibel Geek Podcast, because we will always celebrate rock and metal music, and we know you love it just as much as we do. You know what we should do? Speaking of which, keeping rock and roll alive, we got sent these really cool T-shirts and CDs by a band called Dawn of the Rising. Uh-huh. And uh, is it Ray Coon that sent these yes. to us? And he's a listener of the show. I know you're listening, Ray, and thank you so much for this stuff. This is really cool, and I'm glad you appreciate what we do here. It's a great album. As a tip of the hat to these guys, I think we should go out and play a song from this CD. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Hopefully, I will see you guys at the Rockin' Pod Expo, and uh, otherwise, we'll be broadcasting from the uh, Lunatic Asylum next week for uh, my recovery. And birthday bash. Oh. <laughs> see you next week. See you at Rockin' Pod.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 